you should be a partner. Even if you are hired on as contract, you're not internal to the company at all. You are there to bring value to their company. And just like if you worked there, just like if they hired you on, you know, at a high level, you should be focused on how you can bring value to them. You're listening to designer and conversion optimization specialist, Ben Froge. Ben and I recorded this great conversation on a topic that should be of intense interest for business owners who serve clients on contract. How to use retainers to maximize income, promote income stability, and improve long-term client relationships. And you're about to hear it now, because Ben is today's guest on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm joined by Ben Froge, who is a man of many trades. I found Ben on LinkedIn when I ran across an article he wrote and shared there that caught my attention on how to design effective retainers. Now, retainers are a subject near and dear to my heart because for more than a decade as an independent copywriter, I operated under a retainer with most of my own clients. The beauty of retainers is they allow you a certain level of income stability, whether for copywriting or other fields. In fact, Ben works in a different area altogether, so I'll let him describe what he does in a minute. But here's the thing. If you want to maximize the amount of money you have coming in while maintaining income stability and growing stronger relationships with your clients, retainers are the way to go. I'm looking forward to diving into this topic today. So Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you for the kind words in the intro. I'm glad you appreciate the articles. It was great. And I, I appreciate the perspective because a lot of folks, they get started in business and they think they have to go out there and get one client for one project. And that's it. That's not it. You can do so much more with retainers. And you really outlined not just how to do the setup of an effective retainer, but what you need to measure and, and things like that. We're going to talk about that today. I don't want to jump ahead of ourselves. But before we get to that level of discussion, why don't you tell us a little bit how you got to doing what you do today? And what is it that you do today? Okay. Just a quick overview of what I actually do. I work mostly with uh, Shopify online stores doing conversion rate optimization. I'm looking through analytics. I'm looking through user research, heat maps, things like that to find ways that they can optimize their design and improve their marketing ROI. And that has kind of transitioned into away from just working with stores and now into helping agencies and solo operators design services that actually help their clients and help them grow. Gotcha. Not, I'm familiar with heat maps. I'm not sure if everybody is. Maybe you can describe what that is exactly. Uh, sure. Heat maps just allow you to kind of see where people are moving on a page, where they're clicking and scrolling, what they're interacting with, what they're not. And whereas analytics can really tell you maybe where a problem or an opportunity exists, heat maps kind of help you see how you might take advantage of it, what might need changing, and helps you get inside users' head just a little bit more. Yeah. So what led you down the path to get to looking at that sort of technology? Uh, you know, actually, I'm going to give the credit to one particular guy named Nick DeSabado. He runs a small consultancy called Draft. He is also one of my big inspirations on what recurring services should look like and how to provide value for people. When I first started into freelancing in the solo business world, he was one of my inspirations. And once I'd grown my skill set a little bit, the stuff that he talked about was really interesting to me. 
Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about retainers. That's what we're really wanting to dive into today. And you had a terrific article. I will link to that in the show notes, and I will give a, a link to that after the interview. But today, so you work primarily with retainers with your clients, right? Yes. So let's say you have somebody that you interact with. It's a, a brand new client or it's a prospective client that said, Ben, I would like you to help me out with this task, this problem. How does that conversation begin with you creating an environment where you can set up a retainer? So the first step usually looks something like a road mapping procedure. I want to dive in and see if what I do is really what they need or if maybe they need to be referred somewhere else. So, you know, I'll set up a free call. I'll talk to them, just kind of do some early qualification. And then I'll move into a road mapping procedure where I go through and evaluate their problem. And for CRO projects, that usually looks like an initial setup of analytics, uh, first month's reading and just a a data collection environment for them and kind of helping them get used to that idea. Gotcha. And and for CRO, just for those who may not be familiar with it, I believe you're referring to conversion rate optimization, right? Uh, Yes. Yes. Just kind of trying to make websites more profitable for the people who run them, not in a scammy way, not trying to trick people, but making the site as good as it can possibly be for the ideal customers or clients that are going to visit it. Gotcha. And you said something else I really like too, is you said maybe you need to refer them to someone else. I think that's really important because sometimes, especially as new business owners, we get in this mindset of, hey, if they're going to give me money, I'll do anything. And, and sometimes we kind of want to do that, you know, like, give me the money. But sometimes it's not really the best fit. And if it's not a good fit, you're better off referring those clients to someone who it is a good fit for. And they're going to respect you that much more for that. And you can also build relationships with other service providers, they may also refer people who are the right fit for you back your direction. And that's a good way to, to build relationships and networking to uh, have referral partners. And I know a lot of people will actually do that. I think that's a, a great strategy in business as well as in life is focus on what you can best deliver value to your customers and allow others to deliver their best value to customers. And together you have a happy customer base. So Talking about the retainers, so we have a new customer comes in, you have the initial consultation with them, the, the free call, and they say, well, this is what we have here. What's the next step for you? Do you like, provide like a project outline? Do you have a documentation? How do you actually follow up on that call with, with folks? Yeah, so the roadmap itself is a paid project. And at the end of that, they're going to get whatever work I've already done for them, and they're going to get kind of an idea of how they can proceed in the future. Most of the work that I do is obviously going to be iterative. You don't just look at analytics or something like heat mapping like we discussed one time. You continually do research. So that's kind of a a first step for anybody who's looking to figure out how they could do a retainer is to see how you deliver value over and over again. What could you do for somebody that's not just a one-off project that would keep bringing value to their business? Right, so so some examples might be like in my field of copywriting, you might regularly write a blog post or an email or whatever that that deliverable is. And in your case, it might be continually reviewing the current state of the efficiency of a website as far as the optimization of is the heat map syncing with you know the path you're trying to get someone to follow that's going to be optimally designed to get a higher conversion rate. In other words, more customers out of the people who actually visit the page, more people spend their money because they see the right elements on the page and follow those elements through the path that you've laid out for them. And that's sort of the type of review you might do. And there's 
all kinds of projects, depending on who you are in the world with your business. I don't know, are you a hairstylist? Maybe you're a hairstylist. You're going to say, okay, obviously the hair is going to keep growing. You're going to come back to that customer. How can you build that relationship? It's not really a retainer, but the idea being that what can you provide value that repeats? How do you make it repeatable? And there's more than just what you did the one time. And I, I like also that you you have that conversation. I think we kind of maybe have a little bit of divide here too, because you said you, you have the free conversation. And after that, you have a paid roadmap. So typically, do they hire you at the end of that conversation to create a roadmap and that's the first deliverable and is the retainer conversation during that initial consultation call or is that retainer typically something that comes up following their initial roadmap? I let them know ahead of time that most of my services are kind of a recurring thing, but what I try to do is make sure that that roadmap delivers enough value to cover the charge. Uh, It's typically, it's going to be kind of a moderate price range because they're going to get for me, they're going to get their analytics set up. They're going to get the whole research environment and they're going to get kind of an initial idea of things to test. And like, that's, that's the thing we're kind of leading into. Like, what do you do on the retainer basis, right? You mentioned hairdressers. It's actually a perfect example. If they keep good relationships, it's a retainer. It's, their people are going to keep coming back. And it's the same way. If you're a copywriter, like you said, you could be doing email, you could be doing site updates, blog posts. If you work in social media, You could be doing social posts, interacting with people for stores with less traffic and uh, less purchases. It looks like just kind of reviews, little tweaks here and there. For higher volume stores, I would actually be running A-B testing. So we would be, you know, setting up the environment to run A-B tests, monitoring that, making sure everything works. And then at the end of the, usually a month period, calling that test saying, yes, this beats what's already in place. We should go with this because we got a, 3% 3% conversion lift from this one change. So that's really what you're looking for is any way that what you do just continually delivers for them. Gotcha. And I'm quite familiar with the A-B testing. There's a copywriter, direct response is I guess one of the principles is testing. But for those who are kind of new to business, or they don't know the terminology, can you describe an example of what an A-B test might look like and what that actually is? Sure. So one of the things I do early on is actually to run email surveys in my research framework, I'll run email surveys of customers. I'll run some on-site surveys of just site visitors who may or may not be customers. And what you can get is a lot of messaging. You get what people are really there for. And maybe you had a slightly different idea of how they're using a product or service. So then you build new models of what your website should look like and say based on that. So for a homepage, you could tweak your main value proposition and see a very large lift in click-through rates to product pages, category pages, and also in revenue, just because you are now addressing the actual customer. You're addressing the things that they really care about, and people don't have to think about and work as hard to figure out if your product is for them. So what you can do is, as you know, you can run a test on that. If you have a developer on a custom site or something, they can do it. You can use tools like Google Optimize or VWO which is a visual website optimizer and test to see if those things actually do lead to more revenue and to positive results when you change them. And it kind of sounds almost a little bit complex. And I, I want to just point out that it doesn't have to be complex. I think that's great how you described it with the survey. That's how you kind of get the idea of what is the right messaging. That's just one way to get the understanding of who is your prospect, who is your ideal person. In copywriting, we might create a, a 3D profile, we call it, of somebody who is, what do they look like? What's their actual age? What's their gender? What, you know, what's their educational background? 
these are like demographics. You also have psychographics, which are things like what really drives them? What do they feel strongly about? And like Ben mentioned, what is the actual language that they use? These are all important aspects of your languaging. But the actual test itself is, could be really simple. It could be as simple as I'm going to test this headline on this page compared to this headline on this page. Half the traffic goes to one, half the traffic goes to the other, and one of them is going to perform better. That's just the simplicity of an A-B test. Ben gave you the big picture view, which is awesome, of, hey, yes, you need to know what you're trying to test. Why are you trying to test this? Why are you changing the language in the first place? And that's something that too many business owners never get to. So I'm really glad he pointed that out. I just want to show that you can do an A-B test really straightforward. There's a lot of tools out there where you can hire a person like Ben who will open that really easily for you to do these kind of A-B testing. And let's say you have a winner. You could do another A-B test against that winner, what we would call a control, and say, this works best now. Let's try something new. Does that one beat the control or is the control still working best? And it's an iterative process of simply finding out what works better for your customers. And that might change over time. Even if you have a winner today, it doesn't mean it'll be a winner next month or next year. So that's another reason why a retainer like what Ben talks about is very effective because you offer value, whatever you offer, whether it's conversion rate optimization like Ben does or some other service, sometimes those things change. We talked about hairstylists. Sometimes people want a new hairstyle. They don't want the same old thing. If you're a copywriter, you're a social media specialist, whatever you do, whatever you offer, graphic designer, whatever you do, there's going to be changes. People don't always want the exact same thing over and over. Sometimes we need to change up what our it's the same kind of process of delivery, the same type of delivery, but what we actually deliver is going to change over time. And that's why we keep getting hired and why our clients pay us good money to do these things. So you also mentioned, uh, Ben, about what can you do over and over again for your clients right now. But I know that we had a little conversation before our interview here. And sometimes you could also look at what maybe leads up to that point or what happens after that point. Maybe you could talk a little bit about expanding a retainer that way. Sure. So let's see. That's a little bit more advanced. Good job. Okay. So expanding what you do and expanding off of it. So if you, let's say you're a designer, you could run A-B tests on someone's current site, but let's say that the business grows. Let's say that they're making a lot more sales than they used to. Maybe they started off on something like Squarespace. That's fine. But at some point, they may need to move to another platform or they may need a large-scale site change, a redesign. So in that case, you're talking about not just iterative design in a retainer, but you're talking about a large-scale project. So you can branch off into that. If you have multiple skill sets that you want to practice for a client, it could also go that way. I was working with CRO clients and I discovered that a lot of them didn't have anything going as far as retention marketing, email, text message, things like that. So I've also branched off into that to some degree. So you can always look for the opportunity to take your retainer and go smaller, find new smaller items to go off in another direction with a separate project or to kind of branch off and just add on. Yeah, that's, that's great because there's always opportunities and it's really a matter of seeing what is the need and how can you fulfill that need? And it's just a way of delivering more value to your clients. And then structuring that in such a way that it adds into the retainer. Let's talk a little bit about the relationship again that you might have with the client. I know that when it comes to somebody who is hiring you, we don't want to be a commodity. A commodity brings little value. If you're a cable company, 
you're simply delivering a commodity and you don't really care about them and they don't care about you. At least that's the feeling we typically get. But there's more to a relationship with a client that's going to strengthen over time. I'd love if you could maybe talk a little bit about how you should position yourself to your potential clients and your current clients so that you may strengthen that relationship and, and build stronger retainer relationships. Sure. I really love to focus on you should be a partner. Even if you are hired on as contract, you're not internal to the company at all. You are there to bring value to their company. And just like if you worked there, just like if they hired you on, you know, at a high level, you should be focused on how you can bring value to them. Now, especially when you're outside and especially when you are the specialist working on a very specific thing, you're going to have to be the one to make that value tangible to the client. That's a big part of relationship management is the, especially the financial ROI that you bring. But overall, what are you doing? You don't want to be the guy who's writing emails for marketing. You don't want to be the guy who's running A-B tests. You want to be the specialist who is bringing lots of value through your craft. And that's something I think a lot of people neglect. When we work, it's very, very obvious to us. We're doing the work. We see what comes out of it. We see what goes into it. But all the client's going to see is a deliverable. They see that you've uploaded emails into a system or content into a CMS. And so a big part of the relationship, I think, is setting up a way for you to measure and communicate your value. That's great. I think in the terms of, we would call it reporting, you can call it communication, whatever you want to call it, our clients need to see that we're actually delivering something besides, here's words on a page or here's a graphic element on a page. Because these are business owners. They have a purpose to be in business. And unless they're, even if they're a nonprofit, I mean, the idea is to bring in revenue, right? So how are you delivering on, as Ben said, the ROI? What's their return on investment? If you're spending a dollar with you, they should be getting more than a dollar in value in return. That's just common business sense. And if, if they're paying you money and that's for an expectation of return and they're getting less return than they're paying you, you're not going to be their client. <laughs> they're not going to be your client very long at all. So you must provide that value. That's a given. But outside of the value as far as ROI, and we're talking about typically a B2B type of audience here, our solopreneurs, you might be serving an individual, might be consumer market. So it might be B2C style business you have. It may not be an ROI in that case, but there's always, whether it's a B2B or a B2C relationship, there's always going to be a sense of value that you have to bring to that. And this is not my words. This is Ben's words. Oh, we were communicating before our, our interview. And Ben says, you know, you have to provide value that leads not just to ROI, which we're talking primarily B2B, we're talking ROI, but any client, you have to have that perception of value. And I love how he said that. And rather than me going on telling everything that Ben says, Ben, tell us about that. This is really important. I don't care if you're B2B or B2C, that sense of well-being. How do you define that? How do you show that to a customer? That one's rough. The financial ROI is definitely the easiest thing to show. To me, you're talking about an ongoing relationship. And even in our personal relationships, friendships, things like that, it can be easy to, I don't even want to say slight somebody. It can be easy to irritate them a little bit or to kind of lessen the value you bring to the relationship through your actions. And you may not know you're doing anything wrong. So what I always tell people, if they're going to have a long-term relationship with a client, is that they need to make sure the client doesn't feel like they're micromanaging them, 
they shouldn't feel like they have to have another thing on their plate now. The service that you offer should really focus on doing it yourself. You're the expert. You're the one taking on the burden. You don't need to add to their burden. So it's kind of difficult, especially in this world where we're almost always talking through a computer now to build those relationships. But you have to show that you care. You have to show that you're taking initiative and that you want the best for their business. And that doesn't mean that you can 100% always give way more to the client than they expect. But if you can give just a little bit more, if you can really show the professionalism and that you care about them, that's really going to do well, not only with that relationship, but with what might sprout out of it. Yeah. And you can you call it customer service. You can say being easy to work with. That's a lot of important value you're delivering because some people may be experts in a skill set and they're a real pain to work with. And their clients, <laughs> they find somebody even close to their skill set level and maybe not even equal to them, but are a lot easier to work with. Guess who's getting hired? Your clients don't need another headache. They didn't hire you to create more headaches. They created, they hired you to deliver value and to take load off their plate and worry off their plate and to provide a result. If it's especially if it's B2B, but even if it's B2C, what's that result? What is your delivery? What is the value that you're providing? And are you doing it in a way that makes them say, gosh, you know, I'd like their value, but it always stinks having to work with this person because it drives me crazy. <laughs> they're hard to work with. They're, they're always late on delivery or whatever it is. Don't be that expert. If you're constantly late, if you're constantly a, a pain to work with, you're going to have a rough road in business. Don't be that person. And if that is you, change because <laughs> you don't want to be that person. Absolutely. There's a specific example I really like. I'm a big fan of a guy named Anthony Bourdain. He was a, a writer, a TV host, a chef. And he talks about his days back in the kitchen. And there was this guy that worked for him who delivered the most amazing bread. It was this outstanding, best in town. Other chefs would try to steal him away when he was working. And he would show up at a new restaurant where he was the chef and he would do great things for a month or two. And then he would start calling out and say, hey, please feed my starter, do this, do this. And then the burden becomes way more than even the best bread in the world is worth. And he'll go buy commodity bread from a bakery where everybody else gets it. So even the best version of something is not worth the headache of the person delivering it is unreliable and unprofessional. Yeah, that's very true. And you, you actually have a, a system you kind of use, I, I guess, to kind of show value or at least you kind of a, maybe a, a weighting of balance. And I'm, am I being a pain or am I not being a pain? And I wonder if you can maybe talk a little bit about that, uh, that system or the idea you have there. Sure. When I'm reporting, I try, because of the nature of my work, I try to focus on financial ROI. But even when something fails, if a test doesn't outperform, and you know, we spent a month with this one test running on a page and it didn't outperform the other thing, there's still value there because we've learned stuff. We know more things now than we knew before. We know what doesn't work or what doesn't matter. And so I try to deliver those things in a way that matter as well, because those could go on to power businesses outside marketing efforts. I don't touch social media because I am definitely not a social media guy. But if my research can uncover something that helps that part of their business, I'm going to give it to them because I want them to succeed. And on the selfish end of that, I want them to know that I want them to succeed. I guess the only add-on to that really is do that as succinctly and easily as possible. Don't write up a 40-page report when a three-page report will do. 
don't be over dramatic about how you deliver stuff. Just give it to them in the simplest and easy way possible. And if they want to go deeper, they'll ask you to go deeper. Yeah, that's great. Let's talk a little bit about the structure of a retainer itself. And I, I kind of mentioned what you had to hear earlier. I kind of got excited about <laughs> some of the other aspects of what we've been communicating about and retainers. But when it comes to actually creating your retainer, I believe it's important, and you, I know, agree with this, that you really have to clearly define your scope of work. And I would love if you could maybe talk a little bit about that scope of a retainer so that folks have an idea listening to this, like, how do I set up a retainer? What does that look like? And what do I need to include in it? Maybe you could talk to to that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Scope creep is the enemy of good work. For sure. (laughs) Um, Early on in your career, it might even lead to discovering new things, but really the focus should be on the retainer itself is focused on specific work. And anything that's not a part of that specific work is considered outside. That doesn't mean you don't do it. And if it's something tiny, maybe that's the little bonus you give to them, the little extra value. It took five minutes. Who cares? I'm better at it than you. I did it. What you don't want that to turn into is every week you're now spending two hours doing something. Or there's now, for the same amount of money, not only are you now managing their social media, but you're also writing their email marketing because you're now spending significantly more time doing that. And it's going to degrade the relationship. It's not only about how much you get paid. It hurts the relationship. Resentment creeps in. Too big of expectations creep in. So I'm a really big fan of being very clear and very specific about what a retainer is going to involve before you get in and get started. And then other things can be built on that. But that needs to be a separate discussion and a separate deliverable, a separate process, and you need to charge for it. I know that that sucks to hear sometimes because those conversations can not be a lot of fun, but you need to charge for it. That's just part of being a professional, though. If you want to treat yourself as a professional, you must treat yourself as the professional. If you ask your plumber to come over to your house and fix your pipe and say, oh, by the way, I have a a leak in my tub upstairs. Can you come look at that? Well, sure they will, but they're going to charge you for the extra work, most likely. They might take a look at it as a courtesy. But if you're asking them to do extra work, you would expect to pay them. And you need to treat your business the same way. If you're doing work, you're bringing your value to the table, you deserve to be paid for that. And I agree with Ben. If you start doing work for free because you feel an obligation there, and I I didn't talk about this ahead of time, it can lead to resentment in yourself. And you don't want that. And if it doesn't lead to resentment in yourself, when you stop delivering that extra value for free, your clients may feel resentment because they're thinking, well, So you always provided that before. Why aren't you giving it to me for free now? So you've set up a a layer of expectation that should have never been involved. So what I would recommend, here's what I do. Sometimes I will offer a little extra value, but what I'll do is I'll say, look, normally I charge for this, but I wanted you to know I I provided this extra service to you today for free. This is not something I do all the time, but I just just wanted to show you that this is it. And I know Ben does reporting of what he delivers. I sometimes do that as well. This is what I've provided for you. And I also did this for you. I'll make sure they, they recognize I'm providing extra value, not as an expectation of you'll always get this, but rather as a relationship building process and also maybe showcasing something else I can deliver, but it's a one-off. It's not setting up an expectation. This is all the time. I think that's really important that you clearly identify things that are extras. Yes. And you just made absolutely two brilliant points with that. One is that that free value, that little bit, can be a doorway into more paid services. You know, saying I can do this, 
And another one is, and I'm going to struggle maybe with how this was phrased, and I forget where I've heard this. If you hold a door open for somebody and they say, thank you, you can say no problem because you're just holding a door. But you do want to point out, not in a bragging way, not expecting anything, when you do something that you charge for, for free, for an existing client, just point it out. Just say exactly what you said. Hey, I normally charge for this, but I noticed this, so I did it for free. And maybe not a hard sell, not a pitch, but a lead into, we might discuss doing this more on a regular basis. Yeah, and it's a great way to grow your relationship. And so it's okay to do that. Just don't make it a habit of delivering the same value repeatedly to a customer for free. That's the difference. Are you doing something as a gift? That's fantastic. Don't allow it to become your steady... (laughs) You're not in business to uh, be a nonprofit, I assume, if you're listening to this show. So don't be a nonprofit. Be a professional. Yeah. Yeah. There's a difference between a nonprofit and a non-revenue. That's a... <laughs> yeah. Even nonprofits, they have revenue. They need money yeah. in order to support what their goals are. So whatever, whatever that is. Exactly. So let's talk about one more thing. I know we're getting kind of tight on time here, but I've loved this conversation. Retainers, and we kind of just alluded to this a minute ago. We can use retainers and maybe offer a little extra value to grow a relationship. What are some other ways you can use to build on those relationships that you would suggest? Providing information when somebody really needs it is one great thing. And your own like free content marketing, that's a great way to do that. But you can curate, you can create for people, and you can, when you see they have a problem in another area of their business, you can help them there. Or you can refer them to an expert. If you're just talking about, you know, helping grow the relationship, secure that, you can send gifts. You can, there's kind of a broad range of things that you can do there. Most importantly, look for opportunities to improve the sense of the client that you are a a partner in their business and to really improve the sense of well-being in the relationship. Yeah, some of the top consultants in the world, you can think of like a Dan Kennedy or somebody like that who has built very strong relationships with clients. They provide a lot of value just in their knowledge of what works in the marketplace, because I guess it's B2B, obviously, in this case, or what are the ideas you bring to the table because of your wide range of experience? Ideas are both dime a dozen and gold, because they're dime a dozen to come up with, but they're gold when they're implemented well. And as a consultant, whatever the area of business you're in, If you have a great idea for a client and you can showcase the value of the idea and perhaps even help them implement the idea, depending on whether it's a good fit, but even if it's outside of your area of expertise, but you bring an idea to the table, you've probably read things about networking and and how you can like send an article that's associated with their business, even if it's not related to you, but you're showing that, hey, I'm thinking about you. Ideas are the same thing. If you have an idea for one of your current prospects or clients and you say, like, this is something you might want to give a try. That gives them an opportunity to see you as a value provider. Again, Dima doesn't come up with ideas, but when they're implemented, they could be gold. Uh, that's just a way to build that relationship. Right. And a dime a dozen is, yes, ideas are frequently had and not frequently well done. But uh, I believe it's Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett quite frequently talks about mental models. He studies the way things are done in certain industries or by medical professionals, by scientists, and he looks at problems through those kinds of lenses. Like we've all heard of the 80-20 rule. 80% of your results will come from 20% of your efforts or sales and clients, contacts, whatever. You as a professional have a unique lens. 
I transitioned from a very generalist copywriter into content marketing and then into what I'm doing now. I have a unique point of view. You have a unique point of view and so does everybody listening. So the ideas that come out of your specific framework and your thoughts on how to execute them could bring a lot more value than just sharing an article. It's your unique ideas combined with your insight into that client's business that's really going to make it valuable for them. That's terrific. That's, that's so true. You provide value just because of your unique background. No matter who you are, you have experiences that no one on planet Earth has had except for you. And therefore, you bring that unique perspective to the ideas you present. So use your ideas to grow your relationships, whether it's with a prospect or a client. Well, Ben, I've really loved our conversation today. Where can people learn more about you and, and how can they connect with you? Okay. Like I said, I'm not much of a social media guy, but you can always find me on LinkedIn. You can find me at my website, which is benfroge.com. Pretty simple. And I will actually have a page set up for listeners that will be at benfroge.com slash solopreneur. And I'm going to have some resources, information, and maybe a little recap of what we talked about here on that page. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. I will also include the links to all of these pages we've talked about today on the show notes. I'll give you that link here in a minute. But Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved being on. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, Solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. You can download the show notes for this episode at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 046. And my apologies for the delay in getting fresh episodes like this one released. I was fighting a major illness the second half of December that simply made it impossible to record the intros and outros for these episodes. In fact, I'm still recovering my voice as I record this. You probably hear it in my voice as you hear this. But great news, I'll be releasing the next episode of Solopreneur Success tomorrow featuring former X Games competitor and traumatic brain injury survivor Jamie Mocrazy, who has an important and timely message on resiliency, whether your setback is physical, financial, or something else. Then be sure to join us next Monday, January 10th at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, when Jamie will be our January guest trainer in the Solopreneur Success Connections community. Like always, these training sessions are free to attend for all members, and membership is free at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash membership. Or just look for the link on the show notes page at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 046. Thank you for listening.